You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Pure Pleasure Podcast. My name is Dewey. We're glad to have you back listening to us today. Today, we got a great episode. We're sitting down with Thrice, and we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about the new record. We're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about it all. So, had a great interview with those boys. Here we go. Pure Pleasure Podcast. So before we get into our interview with Thrice, I wanted to throw a few things out there. We are uh, on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on SoundCloud. If you want to listen to the show and you're listening to it now, you may be listening to it on SoundCloud. That is absolutely free. We're free on iTunes as well. Uh, just search the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to have some more information on that. We're going to try to get some more pages set up. Um, today, when I sat down with Thrice... Uh, it almost didn't happen, so we had a little bit of a, a snafu. We had it all scheduled out, and they were running late, and we had uh, they were coming from San Francisco, and I got a text from uh, Tepe saying they were going to be late, and they may not have a chance to do it, so we headed down to the venue anyway, watched sound check, and, and ironically, everything that was scheduled had canceled, so we got to sit down with everyone and, and had a really good chat. So Thrice and I have been friends for probably close to 12 years now, and uh, we did Warp Tour 2004 together. We've been going to their shows uh, before Anatomy of a Ghost even started. Um, and they were one of those bands we looked up to, and they were always just the coolest guys and, and would always chat with us and remember our names. And Anyways, without further ado, here's my interview with Ryan. It's gonna rain, it's gonna rain till the levee breaks. Crystal Ballroom in Portland, Oregon with the guys in Thrice. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Uh, I'm Tepe and I play guitar. I'm Ed and I play bass guitar. <laughs> Riley and I play drums. Dustin, I play guitar and sing. Awesome. Uh, so you guys and me and you guys go way back to, I don't know if it's 2002, 2003? Was no, we well, oh. we started coming to shows when we moved down to Portland, and you guys were one of the first bands we saw, um, and started coming to all the shows. Like these guys are rad, and uh, so we just kind of kept coming to shows, and you guys were always hanging out at the merch and stuff like that. So we always got to chat and kind of catch up on things, and then 
we ended up getting signed and then they threw us on Warp Tour and we're like, well, Thrice is playing Warp Tour, that's badass. And so then we got to hang out on Warp yeah, Tour a yeah, bit and stuff. I remember but, that for sure, yeah. Yeah, but we never got to tour together other than that and because and, uh, the band broke up shortly after that and yeah. then the other guys did Portugal the Man for still going. Yeah. They're in, They're actually playing Chain Fest. Yeah, I saw Right that. now with Circus Survive and I think tonight. Yeah, um, I think it is. Is it the 17th? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, maybe it's tomorrow. They, uh... We were joking, it was a big joke because they, uh, were talking about when we used to sell out Chain Reaction, they'd give us, like, an extra hundred bucks on our hundred dollar guarantee or hundred and fifty dollar guarantee, and we're like, gee, thanks, another going down there playing Chain Fest for them and all this stuff. Oh, that's a Chain Reaction? Yeah. It's at the observatory. observatory, yeah. yeah. I think in the parking lot outside, and then there's shows going on in the observatory, and then there's a club right by it that also has one going on. And what, what is Chain Fest? It's the 20th anniversary of Chain Reaction. Yeah. So, like, yes, exactly. So, like, Anthony Green's playing indoors at the observatory and then playing outdoors with Circa. Okay. Uh, Portugal's playing uh, the outdoor stage as well, and, and, uh, but anyways, that was just a funny thing. I, you guys used to play Chain Reaction all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Was, <laughs> was like it the Deadbolt video there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's true. That was like yeah. a home venue. Yeah. Yeah, if we ever had one. We loved playing there. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, so. There's a really good... I mean, I think we probably complained about it then a little bit, but there was like a really good scene there. Just like people were really excited to see shows. But then there was also like the scene people that sure. were kind of like, this is cool, that's not cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's everywhere, but uh, it's just cool that there was a lot of people that were excited excited to go there often, you know? Sure, like regularly when a club has fans, it's cool, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. very rare, but yeah. it's kind of like, well, they're playing Chain, we're going, kind of deal. Um, well, I want to kind of start things out, I and mean, you guys just got off a break, well, been off a break for a little while, about four years off, three years off? It's like three and a half. Oh, three and a half. Three and a half? And you, Tepe, you moved up to Vashon, and Dustin, you moved to Bellevue? Uh, in- I was in Bellevue, and then I was out in Edges, Snohomish County for a bit. Okay. But, yeah, and you were doing uh, you were doing worship leader stuff at uh, Marsville? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you started uh, Taranishi. Is it just Taranishi? That's the... the um, Taranishi or Taranishi Studio, whatever. Taranishi Studios, okay. And uh, and then you guys, we were just talking before the podcast, Ed, but what yeah. were you up to? I kind of went all over the place. I started tour managing directly after, and then um, got. I, I ended up working um, that for a bit, and then started playing with Knapsack band from the '90s. Yeah, reunion shows. I used to have those CDs in my mom's Cadillac. Yeah. Far yeah. from a buddy of mine. That those records were awesome. Yeah, and then I started working for a management firm, which was cool but that's really tough work like I don't it's not like good for my brain yeah and then all the while throughout all of that I was like doing woodworking stuff I worked for like a cabinet maker and a guy did installations and stuff like that but it's weird like all over the place okay yeah awesome and Riley what were you up to Beth? same for me yeah you're out on the road yeah well, I got married had a kid worked a sales job for like a year so expensive suits uh-huh. uh I drum tech for Jimmy World and Weezer. Oh wow! Okay. Worked for an athletic apparel startup for a while. 
Yeah. Okay. Because you're big into baseball, right? Is it baseball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a, a baseball like Twitter feed and podcast that I do. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's not like a, a job. It's just something that we do. Sure. I'm inspired to yeah, life is getting busy for everyone now with kids, and I, yeah, I don't know how you guys go out on the road with kids. My three kids, I'm home every night, but it's you know, there's times I want to leave for a little while, but it's tough, man. I don't know, I don't. I mean, I applaud you guys for doing it. I mean, support your family and, and working so hard. You guys have worked so hard for so long. I mean, I know we haven't seen each other in like 12 years, but I've watched, you know, from uh, B Complex playing with, I don't remember who it was, Anti-Flag, I think was one of the first shows I saw. I remember those times, like it was yesterday, and that's the guys in the band too, they're like, we gotta talk, like, I don't remember any of this stuff, and I remember details, t-shirts that people were wearing, and things like that. I couldn't tell you what happened yesterday, but I remember, like, photographically that stuff, and, and, you know, we'd always come to, this venue here, you guys played with um, Hot Rod Circuit and uh, Movie Life, was it? You guys had that white van because we were down hanging out by the van just chatting before the show and we felt like it was the coolest thing in the world because, you know, <laughs> you know, we love this band and, and then, uh, you know, it just kind of progressed from there and yeah. it was good times. But, uh, well, I want to also touch on, uh, speaking of watching the progression, this new record, uh, To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere, is, I saw that title before, I, I didn't even know the record was coming out, it kind of just came out of nowhere. And I saw that title and I showed it to my wife and I was like, listen to this album title, and read it to her and, and uh, she's like, that's interesting. And, and uh, I wrote a few things down, uh, was it kind of, did, did you pick the title, Dustin? Uh, <clears throat> it never hurts real life. Yeah. <laughs> my wife right now. Uh, I threw it out there as an option. It's I didn't create it. It's an old uh, from an old Greek philosopher named Seneca the Younger. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I threw it out there, and everyone seemed to vibe on it. Okay. It seems like uh, the second I read it, it seemed to kind of sum up touring life for one on a very basic level, because you know you're. The same thing I would feel if something was going bad or I was around someone I didn't want to be around, it was cool because the next day we'd be somewhere else. And and if I was really enjoying myself, I couldn't really enjoy it too much because it was going to end. And that kind of resonated with me that way, that you don't really exist anywhere when you're on the road. You're not really planted anywhere. Um, is that kind of... Did something with it resonate with you that way or did you have a, a different... I don't think any of us have thought about it that way, but it's interesting. Really? Yeah, okay. Actually, yeah, but that's actually like a really, that's pretty spot on. But actually, yeah, that's the first time I've heard that interpretation. I just wrote down like, um, it was it, it kind of was like being on antidepressants. When people talk about being on antidepressants, there's not too high highs and there's not too low lows. You're just there. You're yeah. just floating. Yeah. And that's kind of, and then I listened to the record uh, once all the way through. And now I've been playing it, you know, here and there, listening to, to different parts. And it just has this huge feel, like this deep, really deep feeling that really resonates with me. I think more than any of the records in the past. It's so rich with tone. Your guys' tone is insane uh, from what it was before. I mean, you can tell you guys put a lot of effort into dialing in your tone and dynamics and... Uh, 
that's why the record's so enjoyable to listen to because it kind of takes you into a deep place, but you enjoy it the whole time. You know, and I don't know. I know you guys have had some loss uh, over the last many years, uh, which I don't. I don't want to get into that with you guys, but but uh, do you think that affected your songwriting and and, and uh, lyrical content uh, and such? Um, I feel like major minor was a more direct reflection of a lot of that stuff, but um, I don't know. Maybe this record is reflecting a bit broader or wider in, in the sense that it's uh, interacting with a lot of the loss or uh, hardship, suffering in world at large today mm-hmm. okay. yeah I, I I mean the and it seems like there's a lot more uh, directed at social issues and things like that possibly on the record there's a on uh, I think it's black honey the, the one where you talk about uh, smashing your hands through a swarm of bees that also reminded me of uh, I mean it's super visual the, the lyrics are super visual like you can get a picture in your head of what you're talking about be it a metaphor or not mm-hmm. there's a, a Tom Waits song where he talks about thrusting his fingers into the earth and just spinning it around basically even it's on uh, Real Gone and that I think is the first time since I've heard that Tom Waits song that something resonated that much as a visual I mean it's just so well written not to geek out on it but it's just very rich and, and lush and uh, Thanks, that's I, something I think, that's, I mean, I was very much trying to get the lyrics more visceral, more uh, kind of immediate and sticky. And, uh, that's cool. Yeah, visceral is the right word because it's very, I mean, it's very honest and, and uh, you know, it's cool when you can throw something out there, even metaphorically, and, and have it resonate differently with everyone. I'm sure there's many other interpretations of it, but visually I can just see it. And, and like I say, tonally, and uh, the whole sound of the record. I want to talk about, you weren't producing this record or Major Minor. Do you feel better that way when you step back and let someone else take the controls? Or, or did you enjoy being, mm. being kind of the head of the class there and, and taking the reins? It's different, yeah. I mean, it's like a totally different dynamic when we're getting something on our own. It's like... Mm-hmm. Well, it's Major Minor was pretty much on our own. like. In the sense that we didn't record it on. We no, no. I'm yeah. I'm saying difference between like recording and engineering. Like so, this time you didn't engineer, or like and we didn't produce it. Right. But major minor, like we were essentially producing it. And kind of yeah, but I mean, as far as actually like you know, tracking a record on our own mm-hmm. studio, like we had back then, it's, I feel like it's a little more mellow in a sense. I don't know if that's. I mean, it's more definitely more work for me, but also. I mean, it, the studio was like in the garage of my house, mm-hmm. and you know, it just felt a little more casual. We weren't, you know, on budget. Like we weren't spending money being there. It was just kind of ended in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool experience. But also, like you know, recording with somebody else is a totally different experience, but also cool in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember you guys used to post on the site pictures of the studio as you guys were building it, and, and yeah, it was just yeah. kind of this family affair it was awesome and you yeah. guys were both married at the time right uh-huh. at that point um, and uh, 
Yeah, another thing, uh, kind of along those lines with posting pictures on the site, uh, of kind of just keeping people informed on what you were doing was really cool. I mean, the accessibility to you guys, would, I think, is why you have such a strong fan base now, is because you guys were available. Like, people knew, it wasn't like social media, like, hey, I just ate a sandwich. It was, you know, important things. And the cool thing that I really remember uh, was you guys used to do, uh, like, what you were listening to that week or that month, what books you were reading. Uh, yeah. That's how I discovered Fire in the City of Automatons by oh, No Night, okay. which changed my life. Yes. Yeah. And I would have never heard of that record. I went to 4th Avenue Records uh, downtown here and got it on vinyl because I just got a record player. No way. Oh, and right. I checked it out, and it was amazing. And I have to say, if you guys ever cover a song from that record, The Spy, you guys would kill it. Oh, that would be yeah. amazing. That's my favorite that? song. It's, it starts oh, out with the lighter. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, know, I don't know any song titles, but yeah, that song. It's just really lush. Yeah, just, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's rad. I mean, if anything, if any, like, we accomplished anything by doing those things. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That, I seriously would have, and they broke up shortly after that, I think, and I never saw them live, but that they record still, is still on my top. They still do shows really randomly, but only kind of locally. Yeah. Like, I'm just... Sad. I've seen them play like a couple times in the last like five years. Okay. They did a couple shows, but it's like they're all they're all doing other things. They just like will play something if somebody invites them to play like a festival or something, but they're not writing music anymore. Okay. Well, luckily for us, their local is pretty much our local. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you went back to Orange County and Irvine again then? Or you... Uh, Tustin. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I wanted to talk about as well the the getting back to the the new record and that the sounds I was talking about. Do you think relocating to the Northwest for you two specifically because you guys stayed in California? But um, do you think that had an effect on the sound, your environment? Cause the environment really has an impact, I think, um, on on artistic output and, and uh, feelings. You know, being up in Vashon with the rain and, you know, away from the sun, I mean. I mean, I'm sure it did in some form. I'm not sure exactly how. It's hard to, like, extrapolate what yeah. it exactly did. But, I mean, you know, being there for five years, I mean, had a huge impact on my life personally and for our family as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that it had some kind of impact. I'm not sure how, but, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, did you feel anything like that, Dustin, with, with uh, it affecting your your output, or did you just kind of... Not that I could pinpoint. Um, yeah, I got, I got the opportunity to work in a couple different settings with uh, some other rap musicians, which was really fun and different, just because I mostly only played with these guys for a long time, so I got to play with some guys who've been... Seattle, I got to play with like the Rocket Boys on the road doing my solo stuff, um, and doing that was just super interesting to see the different ways that people interact musically, and at the same time, uh, you know, making. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. 
They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast 
is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Kind of giving another layer to my appreciation for playing with the Thrice guys. Like, like, oh man, like that's cool, but it doesn't it doesn't play that like Ed plays it or something. Yeah, it's like um, so. Just yeah, having a bit of like perspective in a variety of ways. I think sure. Uh, I think it affects how you come back into a project. Okay. Kind of like you don't know what you have till it's gone, kind of thing. When it wasn't really gone, but away from it for a little while. And well, I mean, I think that was a huge benefit in taking a break was just you know going at something for so long uh, like there's a ton of studies on how healthy it is brain wise to like take breaks from anything sure that, especially things that you love so sure okay um, and so you guys kind of wrote this record apart from each other right like you guys kind of sending files back and forth and, and kind uh, of like I feel like we've yeah we have, I feel like we overemphasized it in the beginning but we would have like a week or two we'd jam uh-huh. and then Tebo would fly back up we'd do some stuff sharing files building kind of demos uh, I think the main difference would be like we built the end demos in Logic rather than building them by like making continual slightly changing live recordings mm-hmm. um, which has its benefits but also I think got tedious in certain ways where you know it's you wouldn't get a great take and maybe you forgot to like fix that one part or like add a cool little like but sometimes you'd get something weird that you wouldn't have got otherwise so okay I, I think that was the main process difference uh, but we were still you know building things out of jamming and then working on them more sure okay um, um and you guys you guys so with families you guys are doing shorter tours now yeah which I think really works nowadays because so many bands, and I'm so glad you guys aren't doing the um, the nostalgia tour kind of thing because everyone's doing that now. And I know it's not always a cash grab, but I'm really glad to see when you came back that you put out new content. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you're still playing the old stuff, which is great, but continuing to progress. And with the shorter tours, do you feel a little more at home on the road to where you can kind of get used to it enough uh, but not get too um, too lost from home life I mean you can kind of okay this is where I'm at now kind of find your zen moment for a couple weeks be in tour mode and then go home and, and be dads 
and, um, and I mean, for me, it's like it's never easy being away. Yeah. You know, for however long. But at least, like, you know, we're capping things. We're trying to cap things at three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that, at least, I don't know, I mean, it, it's, at least it's not six to eight it's, weeks. You it's much it? less disruptive. It is. Well, I mean, yeah, it is a little, it's definitely less disruptive. But for me, it's like, I always have a hard time switching modes because they're just so polar opposite. Yeah. That no matter what, at least for me, when I get home, even after three weeks, it's like, it's such, I have to, like, really mentally prepared to be back home a couple of days before. Sure. You know, because I, I, I go from like being totally useless on the road yeah. and just being like me and just being <laughs> a bum yeah. to having to be the total opposite of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it is like this really crazy polarity. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the shorter tours. Yeah, you can kind of get into uh, okay, I'm only out for three weeks. I'm going to enjoy it like a vacation instead of Oh, six months left of this, and then yeah. we're jumping on that. I mean, did you guys? Do you feel the same on tour as you did back when you were touring all year round? Like as as far as routines, and I mean, you guys have a pretty set routine. I mean, you have press scheduled, and and uh, you know you're in the bus, and uh, so there's not like the night drives and stuff where you're having to keep each other awake and stuff. Um, do you feel kind of similar to to the way it was before family? Or I think so. I feel way way less burned out with the shorter runs, like burned out myself, burned out with like relationships. Just Mm -hmm. um, it's mentally easier to wrap your head around it, even at the starting point. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I see, I see that. Yeah, like I see it. It's right there. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that far. Whereas, like six, seven, eight weeks, you can't even. Yeah, you just feel like. Like, we were at three weeks on that last run, and we were talking about, like, I can't imagine if this was, like, halfway or maybe less than halfway. Like, I'd lose my mind. (laughs) Gotta look at that tour pass and be like, okay, wait a minute, where where are we at? Yeah. (laughs) But it's also cool because, like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but also the tunnel just isn't as dark. Uh Anyway, like, like, not that, like, touring is, like, crummy. It's, like, awesome. Yeah. But it's also... I mean, I know this from watching these guys because I don't have kids and mm-hmm. I'm not married yet, but, uh, like, I guess it's it's just, like, easier to enjoy yourself because you know that it's, it's not gonna, like, everything seems much less difficult and you can enjoy it, and even, like, from the perspective of the family at home, like, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, it's, crap, they're gone, but yeah. they're going to be back sooner than it used to be. Sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pinhole light at the end of the tunnel, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, big, it's, yeah, yeah. you can see it, the screen door ready to roll. <laughs> I mean, it probably sounds funny, too, like, for people that are listening that haven't actually toured, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, because it, it does seem like the dream, right? Like, to tour and to do all this stuff, and it is amazing, and it's awesome, but I think it's hard to you can't really explain that it actually is really kind of grueling in mm-hmm. some way. So, yeah, it yeah. becomes kind of a, a job. At, at some point, it becomes a job, and well, some nights, like you this, know... this kind of, like, endless nomadic kind of... I don't know, it, at least, for, I think, for all of us, it's, like, it's pretty taxing in its own way, which, like, you can't really explain, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think if you're touring, you probably understand that. Sure. Yeah. 
And hopefully, I mean, the 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 way it, when it starts to feel like a job, I mean, certain things bring you back a little bit, and something happened. I was uh, the first time I went to Germany with with uh, Portugal the man. We walked out on stage that first night, and it immediately felt like the first show I ever played, <laughs> because it was a different country, and people knew the songs. It was the coolest thing. And then I, with three songs into the set, I go back, big old bottle of cold water right on my amp. I grab it and I chug it, and it's fizzy water, and I yeah. almost threw up everywhere. <laughs> and it totally put it in perspective for me, like, this is where I'm at. This yeah, is yeah. the best job in the world. Why? Why was I getting, you know, burned out and, and feeling like it was work yeah. before? And uh, and going to a new country like that, as you guys have done tons of. When you go there for the first time, everywhere you go is somewhere you've never been. You can go to the bathroom, you can go to the, the hallway. I mean, you've never been there, it's all new. And and if you think about it that way, that helped me get out of that rut. Because we were touring like 10 and a half months out of the year at that point, and it was, and it was only a couple years we did it. Um, nowhere near what you guys have done, but I started getting that burned out mode, and, and you're missing home, and, and uh, you're tired, and you get sick, and it's never comfortable, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, I never got to do a bus tour because we they got they got in the bus right after I left and Primac um, actually called me to play bass for Poison the Well and uh, I accepted the offer tentatively. We were living for Europe the next day. It's like I can't bail on this tour, man. I, I a month and a half will be back. I'll move to Florida and uh, then they ended up getting a tour while I was gone. I already let the Portugal guys know I wasn't going to be continuing, so I got home with no job and I was oh, like, oh. Uh, so that started the whole thing of, all right, you know, I'm done touring. I'm gonna start a family. I'm gonna get a real job, and and uh, so far it's been pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of things, but um, I definitely miss the road. And, and uh, but I love coming out and seeing friends and stuff, yeah, yeah. and doing it. But um, do you guys feel? You guys, I mean, you guys, of course, experienced the advancement of technology during the break, and you were still playing music. You guys were out on the road. You were still playing music as yeah. well. Um, but when you came back into it, did it seem like that you kind of like being frozen in ice and coming back, or, or was it kind of an easy transition to being able to file share like that and, and record, or um, just the way music is handled now? I mean, everyone wants a single, not accompanied by a record. Like it's very like with podcasting, it's a, like a Jay Moore said, it's appointment listening. Like you listen to it because you saw, oh, I want to listen to that interview. It's not just being played on the radio, yeah. where you can say, oh, come on, get this over with. Um, did you guys did that change the way you guys were writing or approaching the record or or music in general? Not really. Kind of a broad <laughs> question, I guess. No, I mean I think the file like us being able like the way that we organized things was helpful uh, with regardless of Tebby being gone or not. It was it was really helpful because uh, we would try to share notes before and it was really cluttered and mm -hmm. so with some tools to do that stuff it was really helpful, but. As far as like the whole way that the industry works and keeps changing, I feel like it just changes every day, and we're we just try to make good records and see what we can do with that. You know, uh, I don't know. I think we've been fortunate. Like, I mean, especially now, I feel like we've been doing it for long enough to so where we kind of just can do our thing that we've done and don't. Really worry too much about where the industry is at. Mm -hmm. At least for me, I don't really know. I don't really even know what's going yeah. on. <laughs> I mean, and we're, we're like always open to like an opportunity. Like we have a single that's doing better than we've ever had 
a single do on active rock and it's mm-hmm. just like every week it's just like like another spot forward like uh-huh. cool <laughs> no idea why or how or what but yeah. like sure great this is cool but you guys have always been from what I've gathered in, in my experience watching you guys and, and watching the progression has been true to yourselves at that time like every album is different every album is just like a, a snapshot of where you were at your, at your life I mean you know there's one Slayer that can do it over and over again no one else can do that and you guys have always stayed true to that and it's really noticeable um, and I think it's something to be proud of I mean you can look back at your catalog and and, and you know have a clean conscience like that was how I was feeling at the time and, and so yeah. any of those songs you guys play I can't imagine you know? doing it any other way yeah like I don't maybe I mean like I'm I'm not claiming that Slayer does the same album right now, but like, like bands that do that, like, I think sometimes that can be when you start worrying about what people want mm-hmm. more so than like what comes out of you. Well, and I feel like that's difficult because then that's like you're creating a product, you're not creating art, and it's like, then it's, it gets really scary because then you're not trusting your your own judgment. Mm-hmm. I think I mean. I, or put it in these terms, but those bands are essentially functioning kind of like a, like some kind of craftsman at a certain point and not as artists. Yeah. And I don't know if they see that or not, but there's a sense where they're like, I'm good at doing this thing. I'm just going to keep doing this thing and people will buy it. And so like you're saying, it's like focused on product in yeah. that sense, whereas I think we've always viewed it as art and... Art first, and like, okay, how do we like live doing this art afterwards? But then the question is like, we don't really have that perspective because it's the way that we do it or the way that we think we do it. Uh-huh. So maybe they are tapping into something. That, like, I just wouldn't really understand. But I feel like it's really cool to to challenge yourself, and I feel like if you're, if you're doing the same thing over and over again or if you're doing it when you think oh I'm not the only one <laughs> yes <laughs> you're doing like what you think other people want is there a point when you fall out of love with it because it's not inspired I guess but then that's a heavy claim to make but it's not inspired so I'm afraid of like well, that's the, that's the thing too. Is I, I don't think that's to say that every but every band that puts out similar content is in that same space. You know. Sure. I mean, there's plenty of bands. I think like uh, maybe, some, maybe something like the Ramones or something. Like mm-hmm. they they did what they did possible. Yeah. Um, unlike anybody else, yeah. and they, you know, I, I I wouldn't necessarily claim that they were you know trying to pump out commodity or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. There's just the, the way we do it. It's, we're always kind of there's. I, I think a lot of it's to do with just the creative tension and a good sense that arises as we all try to make something together from very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And you guys, there's been, just it, it would be impossible for us to try to do it a different way with yes. all four of us doing it. It just couldn't happen. Yeah. So for us, this is how we do it. Yeah. No, no other way for us. 
and you guys have been, I mean, the same, the same four guys for forever. And, and that's what's so cool is coming from a scene like the Orange County scene where there's just so much, I mean, just straightforward skate punk and, and uh, you know, it just, you know, every band coming out of that. And there's even some songs like that on the first record, which you guys totally, you know, branched away for every record changed. So the other thing I wanted to ask on that was I remember we, when we were on work tour together it was uh, Visu was uh, just coming out and uh, or had not come out yet uh, I saw the songs live first and I was like man this is rad and did you guys get a lot of pushback from fans on that record that one seemed like the biggest departure to that date uh, stylistically and uh, progress progression wise and did you guys get some pushback from that or you know what happened to Thrice, or or uh, I know some bands get that when they do yeah, that. We, we get it about every record. Yeah, but yeah. That one still <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of thought it was a, went away for a while, but this new record definitely like it's sealed that it's always going to be there. Yeah, with these two, as far as like like people buying records, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, yeah, every like someone was saying every record. Like even when we did artists in the ambulance, people are like, or or illusion of safety, people are like, I don't like the screaming stuff. Why don't you like, <laughs> you know? And then it and then it shifted. Out. Why do you guys have? I mean, this isn't direct quotes, but it's like, why do you guys have mellow songs or why is there a piano? You know? Yeah. It's like. Yeah, the direct, it's, it's the direct quotes are far more douchey. Yeah, yeah. But to me, like that's like not that I like strive for this, but that's like the most punk thing you can do. Yeah. You know, like do what you want. People don't like it, screw them. Yeah. And then what's ended up happening over the years too is then people turn around and they're like, oh. That, like when I first heard that, I didn't like that because I was into this one thing. But mm-hmm. like, then I kind of started progressing with you. And that's like, that's really inspiring too because it makes us like feel confident in trying new things, you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, like I was saying earlier, it's it's like going to bed with a clean conscience. Like you, you tried your hardest at something, and if you didn't win, you could still go to bed feeling good about what you, you know, what you what you put out there and. Especially having, I mean, you guys got what over a hundred songs now, probably something. Yeah, so. I mean, and it's all material that you guys, you know, legitimately had had all the integrity in the world when you made it. I mean, from first learning how to be a band to now as a career. I mean, a long spanning career. You guys have been to so many different countries and and met so many different people and touring with all different kinds of bands. That was what was always coolest. They're touring with who? Yeah. Oh, right on, you know. It was a very eclectic show and lineup, and, and uh, that was always cool to see, you know. And, and always, anytime you talk to a band on the road that toured you guys, like, oh, you toured with the Trance guys, oh, that's great, you know. And just really made tour feel like home for a lot of bands, I'm sure, and, and bringing out bands you liked. And, and uh, it was hilarious. I had, uh, I forget what, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> These the studio guys, man, I tell you. There was a pita underneath the microphone. <laughs> The, the, the Blue Yeti is on a PETA. You're gonna have to patent that. The PETA ISO. I just ordered a. I just ordered a, a shock mount for it on Amazon. Won't be here till tomorrow. Why? Well, you don't need it. When you, yeah. I, I should just got the PETA, but they're about as expensive. I think. I need a case of PETA for that much, but. 
uh, anyways, I, what I was saying is, is you guys kind of foster this this home environment on the road. From what I've gathered from other bands talking about it, we were talking about like Builders and the Butchers and stuff. You guys went out with my buddies from from back in middle school, and. Uh, that was cool to see. When I saw that tour, I was like, what? Yeah, really? That was, that was and uh, was it Oh Brother? You guys do it? Probably. We've had them out a couple times. Yeah. It was uh, back with something black. No, I don't The guys that cooked backstage, drummer. Whatever. It's a lot of bad memories. Of course. There another. Uh, so I mean right now where are you guys at right now musically like what what are you guys listening to in the in the bus or or, uh, I mean is there something that you guys are collectively really into right now or or uh, is it kind of separate like it was before where everyone kind of had their lineup of what they were into mostly collectively into Radiohead (laughs) like from there it branches out all over Uh, it's definitely been the most constant yeah. Years now. Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone, we're always going to ball like that band a lot. Um, outside that, it, it, I mean, there's definitely things that overlap, but not as universally. Um, it's funny, just the weird little pockets that you'll have with someone else. Oh, yeah, like the two of us like this thing or whatever. But, mm-hmm. I was tripping out talking to Ed the other day that he doesn't like Arcade Fire, which is blowing my mind. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just stuff like that. Like that's it's a good example of like yeah, we're not the same person. We just end up gravitating to different things, or even you're actually hearing different music in a sense mm-hmm. when you hear music like than someone else. Like it, you know, those people made something, but so much of what you take from any kind of situation is the context that you already have. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But, I mean, that's cool, too, because you can also, like, start to bridge those contexts as you talk about the different music. Sure. Okay. What, um, is there, is there, uh, what are the plans, I guess, for, for the rest of the, the year and, and next year? Are you guys going to continue these um, you know, three week tours, or or do you guys have other plans that going on? Or this is like the last scheduled thing. Okay. There's yeah, we're trying to figure out maybe going back to Europe next year, something else in the states, maybe Australia. Yeah, um, there's there's talk of things. There's talk floating, but yeah, nothing in stone. Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna start writing. Uh, I already have too many ideas and they yeah. can like, them down uh, but yeah we'll start sharing them soon and okay. it, it's a long process like from kind of first sharing it to developing what's going to be there but uh, yeah sure and just watching like soundtrack with, with uh, Hurricane when I when I first heard there I had it on my phone and I plugged it into my stereo in my car and I was driving to the grocery store to get groceries for dinner and I put it on that was the first time hearing it, and it kicked in with the intro, and I was like, "Man, this is kind of cool." I was like, "This is this is this sounds different." And then it hit, and it, I was already bobbing my head to one rhythm, and then when it kicks in and slows down, that completely. I pulled the car over, listened to it about three times. That, that's like my time is going to the grocery store. <laughs> I, the little kids are screaming and running around, and, and we're still in an apartment, so it's it's uh, it's chaos. 
but I pulled over and I listened to it a few times and I was like, man, I did I didn't make it past that song, you know, for a while. Like I just because I was driving short distances to work and I play it you know, once or twice and I let it play to the next song, let it play further and then I listened to it all the way through. But um, watching it in soundcheck, you can hear every nuance that's on the record as you guys are playing. It's something I didn't notice before, I guess, is what I'm saying, is is playing live, there's always something a little bit lost. I heard every single, I mean, even just sound checking, you know, there's no one there really watching. But tonally, and, and uh, I mean, everything was just spot on, and it, it was really cool to see, because I was just standing there, I was standing in front of a fan, so it was so hot. And literally, even in an open room, and this room doesn't sound great to begin with, uh, but you could hear everything. It was it was awesome. I mean, first every sound, little sound guy. Yeah, yeah sound that's guy. awesome. Because <laughs> it was just, and I was just watching for stuff because I was hearing little things that I'd hear on the record and, and uh, uh, on the guitars, and, and uh, it was just really cool to see. Um, you know, the, and like I said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, the tones are insane. Like, uh, what are you guys using right now? I mean, I could see it, but for people that are listening, like, what kind of uh, changes have you made to your rig? Um, I remember the first time. <laughs> Uh, I, first time I met you, I, I came up because I was super nervous, and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to Tepe, okay. And I was like, dude, what are you playing up there? And you had that, that Les Paul Custom, I think, and that Bogner Uber shawl. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, now i got to get a Bogner. <laughs> and I never did. I used one in the studio once, but I was like, no, i got to get one. And you're like, no, I'm actually trying to sell it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it kind of went from there. And, and every time I saw you guys, the rig would change. But... Um, were you guys were using those 610 cabs? Was it 610, oh, the old yeah. Marshall 610s? Oh, the and, right? yeah, were they 810s? The 810s. Yeah. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, mine sounded weird. It looked cool, though. It looked like it had <laughs> yeah. no Toltec yeah. on it. It was just Toltecs. Toltecs is like, and Toltecs what's in, like, clubs. Yeah, that's Gore-Tex. 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 I'm going to invent Toltecs. Toltecs. Yeah, I think you're mixing Toltecs with yeah. Gore-Tex. <laughs> You're <laughs> uh, here first, folks. Here we go. Patented. Sam. Yeah, we both, me and Tepe both started playing AC30s a while back, and Tepe still is. They're fantastic amps. Um, and we were both using them before kind of driving, like the, the main heavy tone was kind of the amp driving itself. Uh, and then backing off for other stuff, but now I'm got into kind of driving it on the front end with overdrives and stuff. Uh, so I'm playing a Fender uh, Vibrolux so it's two tens, um, and it's kind of it's the '68 custom, so it's a basement circuit that I'm going through, and uh, also a new vintage <coughs> amp that's modded based off that one called the MK. 30, but now it's a DK30. He adjusted. Uh, <laughs> he like changed the art and stuff. It was really sweet. Uh, That's awesome, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm playing a bunch of pedals that are driving that. Uh, most notably, like live, I'm using this Iron Horse distortion a lot, which I didn't think I'd ever use a distortion pedal again, but uh-huh. it's just got this really sweet tightness to the low end and stuff, and it, it, it's a blast to play. Uh, nice. Yeah. And then you got uh, uh, that guitar you were playing. Is that a um, uh, Jaguar? Yeah, it's a Nash Jaguar okay. that I modded and put uh, Lawler uh, humbuckers in. So uh-huh. It's got a high wind Imperial and 
bridge, uh, which is mostly what I'm playing on uh, El Rio in the neck. Okay. And and uh, Ed, your plan is that? Did you build that yeah. grabber style? It's a grabber that I built in my parents' garage in like 2002. Probably. Uh-huh. I didn't play it for a while, but it has a it has an actual grabber. Okay. And then uh, I just started playing uh, my amp broke last tour, and uh, Adam Bass broke last few had fenders in her basement, and I borrowed it and I. It's awesome. It's really cool. So, and I'm calling the vendor up. Uh, so, nice. Yeah, super stoked on that. So, are you guys endorsed by Fender then? Or do you just kind of have a relationship I mean, with them? Yeah, there's no like, some, we didn't sign anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're super awesome. Okay. Um, maybe just kind of. Uh, <laughs> Discounts then, are good. Yeah, and then I also play a, a bunch of like a friend who makes this Fuzzrocious pedals. Uh-huh. Those for like overdrives, and then there's a brand new reverb pedal. I still use uh, a line, like a line 6 because I do some looping stuff. Uh-huh. The DL4? No, it's the M9. Oh, okay. So it's. Use it for just like little tremolo parts, bass mm-hmm. part, delay, and stuff that you probably nobody probably hears except for me on bass. Like I don't like very detailed about stuff. We probably don't probably don't notice it. Maybe you do. I don't know. But well, you have a really unique bass tone. I mean, it always stands out. I mean. It's all you can it's always all tell. influenced by Brian Cook and Caleb Scofield. Uh-huh. Brian Cook from from everyone. Many bands, but <laughs> these arms are snakes and Seaman. Yeah, um, and then Caleb from David. Okay. And then actually Andy from Highball. Okay. Taught me a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just about like mid range. How important mid range is. Sure. That was you know the first couple of years that we were touring and. So that's something he was telling me about. I've never like less space, more more like focus on mids. Yeah. Almost even less trouble. It's just like getting the mid range in the right spot, so the speaker's kind of like uh, it, it almost is like feedback loop off of itself mm-hmm. without like not squealing. It just kind of resonates off of itself. Sure. Um, best best advice I've ever had. For mids. It's, you don't need for bass. Basses are amazing. Yeah, exactly. You just need like articulation and sometimes you want less articulation just because it sounds good the type of the song, but then other times like, it's really it's really important. Yeah. Okay. You must have watched that Lemmy documentary where he just cranks Dude, I need to, okay. I'm you on. have to watch it. He literally goes, Alright, give me the goes to the amp, turns everything down, cranks the mids only. Yeah. Let's go! He wow. just starts cranking it, and it sounds like a guitar. Oh, yeah. It literally just mids, full blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll laugh. It's hilarious. It, awesome. And uh, that's how he gets his tone. What's it called? It's just called Lemmy. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, it's easy. It's that's literally, yeah. yeah, that's all there is to it. I mean, and uh, yeah, his amps have names, like Murder One, and I forget the other one's name, but literally just, all right, let's do it. Cranks the mids and just goes into Ace of Spades, and that's why it just sounds like a guitar. Like, 
you know, and uh, it's just all it's all based. But yeah, you'll you'll find that pretty amusing, I'm sure. It's it's a good documentary. Uh, the reason I was asking about Fender is is uh, next week I'm doing the podcast with John and Zach from Portugal, and uh, they. Zach got a bass stolen that his mom bought for him back when he was, you know, first starting out. And, yeah, it was this really cool, like, unique Fender P bass. Uh, And Fender, without him knowing, built another one. And then flew his mom from Alaska to the Troubadour to give it to him as a surprise. Wow, that's awesome. And that's what I was thinking, like, Fender, they're really kind of family, it seems like, yeah. oriented that way with their artists, and, and I know, I don't think, I know they made John a custom uh, strap. I think it's just pink. I think that's the only custom thing about it. But uh, I don't think they're fully endorsed by them either. I think it's kind of like a handshake thing. Yeah. I'm always but, afraid to ask, like, you're like, I don't know, ask, asking for stuff is scary because it's, want to play the stuff and I know it promotes their, their thing yeah. yeah well at some point I mean you, you don't get anything if you don't ask really unless it's just a surprise like that but you know it, at this point I'm like I'm making guitars and I want to start making them for people that I really like yeah you know like there's like I would love to make one for Caleb or Ryan sure have you yeah. brought that up to him I talked to Caleb about it Whatever, but like, take a free guitar. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. You'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be good just because, like, I owe them a lot, you know. Sure, your influence and teaching you. That's awesome. I'm sure you guys have done that for for other bands too. I mean, for us especially, like, just the influence alone. You know, just just watching you guys how you act with people you know there was never it was never I mean the only time it was scary was the first time like <laughs> okay we're from Alaska uh, moved down to play music these guys are rap and then after that it was like hey what's going on you know never it never uh, never felt weird after that and that was really cool but I, we didn't get you Tepe on your on your rig you, you had a double cutaway up there like, oh yeah that's a good idea. I, yeah so I mean for, for the most part I've been like really consistent for a long time <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, that, um, that's a Gordon Smith guitar. Okay. A small company out of Manchester, uh-huh. England, I believe. Um, I got that, like, years ago. I just, I, I like, somehow I found them online. I like that double cutaway style. Uh-huh. And then, uh, they actually custom made them one for me. I forget what was custom about it. You were saying they had a single, single coil, coil in the neck, yeah, so sure that's what it was. Okay. Which actually, I think they made that. But anyway, um, that, kind of, I kind of like tried to play it for a little bit, and then it was brought out on the road as a backup guitar for a little bit, uh-huh. and then it sat in my closet for years, and uh, for whatever reason, I wanted to try it out for this tour, so I swapped out the pickup and put a Lawler in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Dustin's recommendation. Okay. And also, they were they used to be on Bashman. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they just recently moved to Tacoma, I think. Who's that guitar? Is it Electric Guitar Company that makes those crazy sheet metal guitars? Uh, I, I think they're based up in Seattle or Bashan area. Like they're uh, 
Aaron Aaron plays all those. They're the crazy. Like they make the Lucite ones again. Like the uh, Dan Armstrongs. I don't, I don't think they're on. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're made out like airline quality aluminum or like whatever. Boeing experiment. Yeah, exactly. Up in that area, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd seen those or or what. But um, so I guess I mean we're. Well, yes. Who cares about that? You've been sitting there quiet the whole time. Um, I just switched from CNC to Q Drums. Q Drums, okay. Is it a smaller company? Smaller company, they're local in San Pedro. Okay. Just outside of LA. Uh, used to done the record. Yeah, I bought a snare drum up there uh, before we recorded. Uh huh. And through coincidence, the drum tech we had for the sessions for the last record. Uh, is he works in Q. Uh-huh. So he brought the Q kit that I have with me on this tour. Okay. And it's galvanized steel with maple reinforcement loops. Okay. And they look like garbage cans, but they sound really good. Um, and yeah, the, the two guys who are the main builders for Q uh, are guys who were at Orange County Drums. Okay. The day. Sure. And you can have more of a uh, one-on-one relationship with them and yeah, I throw awesome. ideas at them and stuff, yeah, it's right? Awesome to be able to just drive up to the shop and talk to them about what they're building and how they're building it. Uh, okay. All right. Thanks, Dustin. Good day. Thank you. Um, did you did you uh, do you still do that column? You're writing a column for a while on uh, drumming. No. Okay. But you have the podcast. Yeah. I what is the podcast called? It's called the Productive Outs Podcast. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Plug that on there. Check it's, that it's out. It's all baseball related, but um, we also try to feature kind of an under the radar music. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Musical guest. It's not really like a movie, but play a few songs. Baseball is a very stodgy sport uh-huh. culture, so a lot of the music is really stale. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's a lot of country, it's a lot of hip hop, it's a lot of train, top four train. Hey, that dude lives on that show. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. yeah um, nice. Yeah. In between appearances on Ellen and The View. Yeah, Island Man, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so we try, we try to expose people who like baseball to some music they might not hear at a uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I do it with Ian Miller, who plays bass in a band called Calvin Wall City. I've been doing it for like five years or so. It's just a fun little output. Yeah. Yeah. And are you still doing it? I, I, I never looked at how to actually pronounce it. But the pig destroyer, it, <laughs> how do you say that? Pig destroyer. Pig destroyer. Yeah. destroyer. Are you still doing that at all, or is that uh, was that just kind of buying your time? No, that was just a joke that was born on the, the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, just absurd, like, metal and grand course song yeah. about baseball. Uh, <laughs> you guys are doing less hard now. Yes. So the pig destroyer guys plus Ed are doing, doing a project called Less Art, um, which is less absurd and, uh-huh. um, super heavy okay uh, it's super rad that's super rad awesome it's right? fun uh, 
Uh, okay. It's a different kind of a, scratches a different niche than the rest of the scratches. Sure. Because you guys have heavy music backgrounds and stuff that may not be as heavy. I mean, yeah. Technically heavy, I guess. Your sound is huge right now, but uh, yeah, I mean, this massive. Is a little, uh, I guess. Uh huh. Sure. Well, it's got More abrasive. That's I was. You guys yeah. toured with them a lot yeah. back yeah. in the day. Okay. Yeah. He's you did like the Halloween shows. And I stuff. mean, that automatically makes it way heavy. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got some stuff going on and, and on the side too, and and uh, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys are still exploring that stuff. And, yeah. and uh, like I say, I mean, the sound sonically and tonally is massive. It's not as heavy as it was. But it's on so many different levels. I mean, you can just hear the emotion. I was going to talk to Dustin. How different, out of all you guys, I think it seems like life has hit him harder than than the, the rest. It's because his voice has changed. His demeanor has changed. Like, he's very serious. I mean, he was always very... Uh, analytical it seemed like and would think about what he was going to say before he said it he was one of those kind of people which I really admire because a lot of people just say what like me I just say whatever I'm thinking <laughs> but the tone of his voice and the, the timber has changed so drastically over the last you know I'd say five years I mean from listening to the records I mean it's almost it's almost like a full transformation like you can't tell who it is and it's really cool I mean it's it's awesome I mean I feel bad that everyone's gone through some rough stuff and I really I, that's horrible horrible you know losing family members and stuff and and, and uh, but it seems like it's hit him the hardest physically not you know his output seems very very dark but also kind of like stoic yeah he, and you guys are all readers and and uh, but he's very I mean and when he's I guess putting out the lyrics uh, the lyrical content because is he, he writes all the lyrics right do you guys write any lyrics for the stuff but you guys all write on guitars and everything else right okay so I think I was hearing sorry I think I listened to um, the Matt Pinfield podcast you guys did and I think you're talking were you talking about you got some demoed stuff for um Long Defeat, that was your demo, uh, or? Yeah, 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 I didn't remember which, which part it was. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's like, every, I mean, everybody writes, it might even be a riff, or like something that sounds like a bridge, or an intro, or whatever, you just kind of throw them together, and you're like, oh, these parts might work together. And sure. It, it, it's pretty... It's hard sometimes because there's so many ideas. Mm -hmm. Or like somebody might hear an idea and then it doesn't really go where the person that originally wrote it thought it was going to go, but that's kind of a cool thing about how we write too. Yeah. Kind of like how we listen to music as well. Like mm -hmm. Might be hearing things totally different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, it's up to perception. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, going back though to the Dustin's voice thing, I, I do think it's it's, it's interesting because, like, I think honestly though, mostly it's the fact that we were just literally kids. Yeah. Yeah. When we started, and you're just hearing, I think you're just hearing him grow up, honestly. Yeah. And like a little whiskey. Yeah, I mean, but also like, <laughs> you know, like uh, I mean, his voice just matured, and I think yeah. also like physically, he's he's a lot different now physically. Yeah. Which obviously, like when you're singing, it's you know, 
sure. whole thing and the way your voice resonates within your body and your, you know, whatever, it mm-hmm. all kind of changes. So I think you like, at least in that aspect, I think you're just literally hearing you grow up. Yeah. Become a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something I just noticed and, and uh, it's super noticeable. It's, I think with us more than I think a lot about guys. Yeah. Even seeing like seeing him in interviews and stuff, everyone seems pretty pretty much not the same, but like, you know, it, it just you really see it's almost like seeing a different person mm. that you once knew. I don't know if you guys could you guys see each other pretty often now. Yeah. I mean you took some time apart, but um, was it pretty noticeable when you got, I mean, you guys were probably talking on the phone and stuff, but then getting back together and being like, whoa, have another person. Was it that? So. Not that much? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think he's, yeah. I think in interviews and stuff too, it's like, you, not that you're not yourself, but you know, it's a little more, sometimes it's more, uh, it's less candid. Yeah, sure. I've never been really on this side of the of the the microphone either. This yeah. is new for me too, and I wanted to do something creative still and, and get in touch with people and and uh, so I was I was telling my wife like I'm I'm gonna start a podcast. She's like I think you should do it. I was like okay I'm gonna do that. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, being being interviewed is I mean you guys probably get asked the same question a million times. I almost thought about asking nothing about the new record at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was so into it that I really wanted to hear where you guys were at and how you guys felt on it. And, and I know you, every day you're going to get asked the same questions. But um, do you do you guys, I guess we can work at an hour here. I can probably get you guys out of here. But um, I was thinking maybe just go around and, and talk about the, your favorite song on the record, I guess. So kind of, or maybe the one you struggled with the most. Whatever one, whatever song resonated with you the most, good or bad, I guess. On the record, one you struggled with more, or or one you just love from the start and still do. Or if you have one, there may be multiple. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know, it's like I can never like pick a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess for whatever reason, one that came to mind is uh, Salt and Shadow. But the last song on the record, I mean. I don't know why I thought that, but I guess just because that was the song that developed the most in the studio, uh-huh. I think. And uh, we really didn't have much of an idea of like exactly how it was going to sound in the end when we went in to record it, when we started recording it. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, that was, that's always an interesting thing, you know. I think a lot of the Alchemy Index was kind of done that way, uh, but we hadn't really had that since then. So mm-hmm. that was kind of fun working on that, like seeing that become an actual song while we're working on it in the studio. That's when it starts out with that piano riff, right? The, uh, it's the very last song on the record, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's like a, it's a guitar original. Is it? Okay. Okay. Um, what about you, Ed? Um, you have one that resonates would, with you? or? I would probably say The Window. Tebe kind of rewrote it like later in the process. Like I, I feel like before that, it was like something that was very whatever about it. Sure. And I think 
things like that just kind of be super excited. Like I wasn't, I wasn't um, super inspired beyond the original creating of the ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, was, it, was, it was hard for me in, in, in spots. Um, but I mean, I think that, yeah, that song, that song changed a lot for me. Okay. Thanks, Tabs. That's a good yeah. Save the day. Yeah. <laughs> you made Eddie's Eddie's year. Yeah. Again. Maybe. <laughs> what about you, Riley? Uh, I don't want to think of anything else that's I'm probably going to set this all the chat up for the same reason. Uh-huh. So like that that's always a surprise because like you you don't necessarily expect people to like be that on board with the new stuff. You know? Yeah. But um yeah, it's like a cool moment every night. So thanks peeps. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I listen to that song quite a bit. Like that's one I repeat a lot. Just cause it, and, and like you're saying that the way it degrades at the end is really cool. It's it's um it just kinda turns completely organic. It just kinda just melts out into the vapor and, and um it's really cool. Did you guys did that take a lot of work in the studio to, or did you guys just kind of keep cycling through it and, and just kind of letting it go? I think that one was pretty solid early on. Like I don't think the early demos are that much different than the finished product. Mm-hmm. But I think the degradation part too was just that was just born out of us jamming. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just kind of felt natural. And that the, the the riff in the beginning of Black Honey is that the actual recording? It is from your phone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was listening to that. I I had read somewhere that that was what it was from, and then maybe it was Pinfield's podcast. Yeah. Um, that's some that's some Bashan influence. Yeah, we can just hear the <laughs> from this the room or whatever, and it just sounds yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, recorded yeah. on something. Well, actually, no, that wasn't the one from my phone. No, I don't think it was. But it wasn't was, recorded in the it, studio. It was, it just was from piped the piped in from the demo okay once I actually started demoing it but yeah that's like just natural like room ambience so it was like my the house that we had in Bashan I had like a little mini cottage kind of like out house kind of not out is that a toilet is that yeah (laughs) a Schultzy yeah anyway like a little mini kind of cottage thing uh, that I could just once we started recording or writing again I turned that into like a little mini studio okay but um yeah, so that's that's a little fashion. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And and so you're back. You're all back in California, in Orange County. Um, 
are you guys going to get back on a regular practice schedule and get kind of back to the way things were? Or is it going to be kind of, I mean, with family and stuff, kind of just be when you guys want to play, you want to play? Or, I mean, like Vagrant, or does Vagrant, do you have another big record with Vagrant, or is this it for free agents? So are you guys thinking of self releasing the next record, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, right on. Well, we're we're at the hour and ten minutes. I think we're good. Uh, if you guys are good, is there anything else you guys wanted to, to plug or put in and, uh, or talk about at all that I missed? Maybe I guess I. Thank you to everybody that's been there and are still around. Like it's yeah. amazing just to be able to create things and have people enjoy it. And it's like a cycle. That feels really uh, positive. Sure. Okay. I guess it's kind of like going from one family to another family because, yeah. I mean, you've been building this family for so many years, it's and then you go home to your family that you yeah. actually created. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it that way, I mean, you're going from one big hug to another big hug, you know, and it's, it's so cool to see that, you know, because... So many bands, I mean, are just struggling and, and uh, or hate what they're doing and are just doing it for a paycheck. And yeah, it's so cool to just have someone that's always been into it. And you can feel it. How much I enjoyed this. Uh huh. How much, how good we Yeah. Because, you know, some bands are dysfunctional, some bands, like, don't hang out and talk, like, mm -hmm. we all hang out, we all talk, like, we're all good friends with the group. Yeah. Um, it's just like a really positive atmosphere. Uh-huh. And been around. I'm a sports, not always positive, but it's not always comfortable. Sure. So, uh, so I've done that during the break, and then come back to this, okay, it's a Cooler. Uh -huh. Makes me appreciate it more. Sure. And enjoy it. Yeah. Do you do you uh, socialize with I guess your your crew differently after being on a crew? Definitely. Well, Did that change your way always, of thinking on it? I was always pretty social with yeah. the crew, but I definitely gained a different perspective on like how long your days are when you're yeah. not part of the crew. Especially bands that size that probably bring all their own sound and everything else. I mean, geez. Up in the morning and you're going until late at night. If you're not doing something, you're not working, so we get Yeah. Jeez. Keep yourself busy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I try to make sure that, especially with my drum tech, he's in the know all the time. Yep. He knows what's going on. I make sure he's okay. Like, do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that can be like better or more streamlined to make your day easier so you can not feel overworked? And yeah. Appreciate it. Um, more engaged for sure. Yeah. Seems like more just uh, more uh, present with. It's a relationship. I mean, your your night doesn't go right, you know. And yeah. Okay. Well, the one last thing I had that I forgot to bring up was the set list was 107 songs is it how do you guys pick the set list for the tour do you pick like a 
just like a is there songs that are blacklisted that you just uh, we're not playing that we tried that we tried that you tried that okay yeah. but Deadbolt was blacklisted on the first leg of the tour uh huh we just put it back did people start giving you crap about it well yeah that really can't play good and play Deadbolt we always get crap yeah no matter what I mean yeah it is tough you know we just try and like we just try and strike a balance between like what we want to play, yeah. what we feel like people want to see, you know, what's fun to play, like uh-huh. what goes over well live. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different factors that you're balancing, but sure. You gotta showcase your new record. Yep. Yeah. Not neglect other records. Mm-hmm. It definitely gets harder the more content you have. <laughs> well, with these little tours, maybe you guys could do one. Well, who did that last? I'm trying to remember who did that, but it was the fans got to pick the set list basically. Like they voted on a set list. Was that corn? I think it was corn. That's bad. Uh, but they did something where you get to choose the set list, like you vote on it, and those songs are the ones. And, and we kind of did that, yeah. We, we yeah. took a full one. You did, okay. Yeah, we kind of chose from what people. Were you shocked at what people chose? Pretty much knew it right out. You could probably call it. <laughs> well, you guys are seeing it from the stage. You're seeing the reaction. You know what songs are huge. And, uh, I think it's important for us to find a set that flows yeah. dynamically and it doesn't seem like super scattered from song to song. Mm-hmm. And then with guitar changes, different tunings, and all that stuff. Yeah. That also puts limits on which songs you can play on it. So. Mm-hmm. Sure, because you guys would be past them. I mean, like artists in the ambulance tunings versus now, like, you know, you'd be throwing them around like MX, was MXPX that tosses them to their tech in the air or something like that. Uh, anyway, okay. Well, uh, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate fitting me in today. And I know things were crazy, and you guys were late, probably traffic. And that drive from San Francisco is rough sometimes. It, and, uh, but you got what uh, two, three weeks left of the tour? You guys are going up to Canada, over to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then uh, cutting back through. It's kind of just like it's like a big U shape. Yeah. And you guys are ending in what? Santa Clara. Uh, Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Okay. And that's in October, October sixth or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So and then uh, after that, just keep abreast on the website for the listeners. I'm sure what's going yeah. on with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Well, thank you guys. Uh, to be everywhere is to be nowhere is in stores now on Vagrant Records, iTunes, I'm sure, everywhere else. So, anyways, well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.